The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. God's word for today, uh, which introduces a, a new series, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you asking that, again, that your word would speak. Lord, that as we reflect on your message, your story, uh, throughout, um, throughout all creation. Father, Lord, that we are drawn a little bit closer to who you would have us be as individuals, but also as a community, as a church, as your body. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So, women do a lot of things better than men, right? This is a long, long, long list. But when I think about me personally, One of the things that I have seen women just crush men at is being sick, right? So I mean, women give birth to children, right? You carry around human beings and somehow function. Could you imagine if a man had to get pregnant? We would be the most miserable, unproductive people that you would ever meet in your entire life. I get a cold, and I mean just a general run-of-the-mill cold, and you would think I had malaria, right? That I was dying, that death's door was knocking on my... I am miserable at being sick. And in fact, most of the friends that I know that are guys, that when they get sick, they're just as bad as I am. And the thing that always is remarkable to me about being sick is all of a sudden there are parts of my body that I otherwise wouldn't think about that I don't even know exist that are all of a sudden all too real, right? So let's say I get strep throat. I probably swallow, on average, 100, 1,000 times a day, right? Saliva, food, whatever else. Never think anything of it until my throat is hurt. And then every single time I swallow, I am acutely aware of what my body is doing, right? It feels like a cheese grater is going up and down the back of my throat. And we don't really realize our bodies and what our bodies are doing, for the most part, until they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? It's only when we're missing something, when we, our hand is in a cast and we go to like grab and open a jar and we're like, I can't, and we do the weird thing with our arms, right? It's not until something's gone that we really, as a person, understand something's wrong with our body. It's not something that's hurting until we realize how intricate, how many pieces there are to what a human body consists of. 
And as we're looking and starting this new series called Unleashed, right? and the whole part of it is why church? Why do we have this weird organization that does some stuff on Sundays, that does some stuff during the week? Why did Jesus do this? And first and foremost, it starts with this verse in uh, John 20. And Jesus tells his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending y'all. Right? Now, none of your Bible versions will say y'all there, but this is really important. Right? Most of them just say, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. But in American English, we don't have a plural for you unless you're in the South. This is where you guys have something above the rest of us. This idea of y'all very clearly indicates it's not about a singular person. And when you read the Greek here, Jesus does not tell his disciples, as the Father is sending me, I am sending you, Peter, or you, John. He looks at all of his followers and he says, as the Father sent me to change the world, so I am sending y'all. And this change... This is right after Easter. This is the first thing he tells his disciples. Is he's about to unleash his people, unleash the body of Christ in a way that the world had never seen before, that would leave everything changed. And when we talk about that, one of the key ways that the Bible talks about what the church is, is this idea of the body of Christ. And what I love about the idea of the body of Christ in this imagery is my body has a bunch of different parts, right? My body is not just my hand. This isn't the Adams family. Remember the Adams family and it was because of it or whatever it was, the hand that would just wander around? Like hands die if they're not connected to the body, right? My body isn't just eyes. My body isn't just a nose, a mouth. My body has literally millions of different parts to it, different cells that are doing different jobs that I don't even think about. And yet it's essential to how my body operates. And when I think about the church, we are the most diverse organization in the United States, bar none. We have rednecks and we have city dwellers. We have seventh generation Texans and we have fresh off the boat Hmong. We have every language spoken. We are in every community. We are of every political party. The church is the most diverse, widespread organization in our country, quite frankly, in our world, and that's the way God intended it to be. Because he was going to use his people, he was going to organize his people in a way that would leave the world forever changed. And over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking through what that looks like for us as a church. And then June 3rd, and this you do want to mark your calendars for, you're going to want to be here that Sunday. We're going to do something that I have literally never seen done in a church before. I can tell you what it is yet, but I promise it's going to be worth the wait. But up until that point, we're going to be looking at what does it mean to be church? Why church? Why can't we just do faith by ourselves? Why can't it just be about us and God? All right? So today's the body of Christ. We're going to look at three separate scriptures. The first one is going to come from Romans. This is Romans 12. As our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. 
what we see here in Romans is this idea that we belong to each other. And a body belongs to each other, right? My hand can't say, oh, my leg's really hurting today, but that's not on me, right? My throat can't be like, you know what? Ah, today I don't really care about the eyes. If one part of my body is suffering, the rest of my body helps it because it suffers too. When we look at the body of Christ, I stop and I literally look around the room for a second. You all belong to each other. God says we don't do life alone. And there is a responsibility and a privilege in that to take care of each other. That if there is one of us that is hurting or one of us that is sick or one of us that is mourning, that we as the church rally around that part of our body. We weren't designed to do life by ourselves. One of the big myths in the church is that the most important thing in your faith is your relationship with God. Do not mishear me. Your relationship with God, your personal connection with him is crucial. But he did not save you from isolation to be an individual. He saved you from isolation to bring you into community. To use your gifts to be able to love on the people he brings into your life. And one of the key ways he does that is through the church. And so when you look through scripture, when you look at what it means to be the body of Christ, what God is saying is the people I bring into your life, I bring for a reason and a purpose. And I want you to take care of them. And I want them to take care of you. And both of those things can be hard, right? Because sometimes we just want to be the ones who are giving. We just want to be the ones in control. And we're like, oh, my life is perfect, so I can help you out. None of our lives are perfect. We're all broken people. That is the story of Scripture. And so it's both this, I want to be able to help those God brings into my life, but I want to be vulnerable and open to realize that I need you too. That I need to be loved. That I need to be cared for. And what we find is God sets up an organization, an organism, the body of Christ, to take care of one another. So that comes from Romans. But then we get into Corinthians. And Corinthians 12 says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. See, there is a myth within Christianity that we pay one person, a.k.a. the pastor, to be the Christian for a church. That is so not Scripture, right? We're not like, okay, so we're going to raise up this one pastor or this staff member or this group of people, and you guys are going to be the Christians, and we are going to empower you to do that. That is not how Scripture talks about the body of Christ. In fact, it's just the opposite. It says the parts that you think are most important really aren't that necessary, a.k.a. the pastor. It's kind of like hair, right? Hair is great. We like it. As my wife very regularly reminds me, it's a lot easier for guys than it is for girls, right? I can be up and at them, and in 15 seconds, my hair is good to go, and my wife looks at me and just, just shakes her head. Why do you get 15 seconds and she gets 15 minutes, right? But, as Daniel can tell you, you don't necessarily need hair, right? It's not vital to our life. But if you take out my heart, that's an issue. If you take my lungs, that's an issue. If you take away my eyes, I can't see, and life becomes a lot harder. And the truth of Scripture, and if you take nothing else away from today, hear this and hear this clearly. 
you, and now I am speaking individually to every single one of you, are crucial to what God is doing in the church. And that is you, if you are in middle school, you are crucial to what God is doing. That is you, if you are working, you are crucial to what God is doing. Or if you're retired, as soon as you can know who God is, two, three, four years old, God has a role for you in his work. And as we go forward as a church, as we continue to talk through and work through what it means to be the body of Christ in Leander and beyond, you have a role. You are crucial to that role. God has a plan for you at school. God has a plan for you at your work, in your community, in your neighborhood. And as we talk about the body of Christ, as we talk about why church, it's because God wants us to find a way to work together. And that doesn't mean we're going to institutionalize everything God is going to do, right? It doesn't have to have Acts Church Leander on it for God to be working through you or for us to be working with you. That's not the issue. The issue is God is saying, I want to put together a community around each of us, that we are stronger, that we are better equipped, that we can do more than we would be by ourselves, because a hand by itself is pretty useless. can't see what it's supposed to do. An eye by itself is pretty useless if it can't actually change anything, or if it doesn't have the legs to get where it needs to go. So please hear me. You are crucial individually to what God is doing on a much larger aspect. And as the pastor of this church, we need you. But then we got to figure out what does that look like? How do we do this together? And there's one last section of scripture I want to use. And uh, the translation, I've got this love and hate relationship with different translations of the Bible, right? So some of them are very literal. And so they'll take the Greek and they'll just translate word for word what that looks like. And sometimes that ends up with Yoda speak, right? Where like prepositions are thrown around. You're like, no one would say it that way. And that's because in the Greek, their syntax of sentence structure would look different than it is in English, right? And then you get a little bit farther away from that. And then they'll start translating kind of sentence by sentence, thought by thought. And that is good because if I were to tell you right now it's raining cats and dogs outside, you would know I don't mean it's physically raining cats and dogs outside, right? That is an expression that we use to talk about it's raining hard. But in a thousand years from now, if someone is translating words that I wrote and they see it's raining cats and dogs outside, they probably wouldn't use that same vernacular, right? They would say, oh no, it was raining really hard out. Because in a thousand years from now, they might look and be like, raining cats and dogs, it was a strange time that 21st century. Weird stuff was going on with the environment, right? Well, same thing happens with scripture when we're looking at translations. And then you go one step farther and it goes from sentence to sentence and it really starts talking about thought by thought. And there's a translation called the message and sometimes it gets a little wonky and I'm like, eh. But sometimes, in fact, a lot of the time, it has a very cool way of expressing what scripture is saying. So this comes from the message, it's Ephesians 4, and it says, you are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. He says, we're all on the same road. We're all walking this journey together. 
Even when you go back to your own workplaces or your own schools or your own neighborhoods, God's like, I still have a community that I want you to be in sync with. That you don't have to do it alone. That we have one father, that we're in one family. That in an isolated, broken, divisive world, our God creates a community that says you guys get to do it together. All right? And then he talks about, so what is the role of the organizational church? He says, he handed out gifts of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church. So what Paul doesn't say is, we're going to have this one guy who's going to be the Christian for everybody. Right? What he says is, no, God puts certain people in the body, a.k.a. pastors or worship leaders or community leaders or whatever else, who can walk alongside the body of Christ and to tell God's story of what God is up to in their lives, to tell God's story throughout all of Scripture, and then to train up Christ's followers in skilled servant work, to be the body of Christ wherever we go, to have the same impact that Jesus had wherever he went, The role of church, the reason why we gather on Sundays is so we can again remember, yeah, we all belong to one another and rehear the story of what God is up to. It's kind of like a refueling station that we get to get together, spend time together, and then we leave and we're like, yeah, we're still in line together. I love how this says this is rhythmically and easily working, uh, easily uh, moving with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flows through us, nourishing us so that we would grow up healthy in God, robust in love. And hear that, he keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we together grow up in God's love and are able to love. I was kind of noodling through, what does this look like? What's the example that would really kind of drag or nail this home? And for me, one of the ways that we see how we're designed to work together is through music, right? So if I were to take a guitar, there are two things that need to happen for music to come out of this. First, it's got to be in tune, right? And the idea of in tune means that the individual string has to be vibrating at the right frequency or it's off. It'll either be too sharp or too flat. But as long as it is, you get notes that work, right? But notes by themselves are kind of boring. So I can do, and it's okay, but it's not music, right? Music is more full than that. Music works when notes are played together, when they're in harmony with one another. That's what it is when you hear a chord. That's when the whole band gets together and we have violins and violas and we've got guitars and singers. They're in harmony with one another and so it works. 
when we talk about what we want to be as a church, we want to find a way to be in harmony with one another, to be in rhythm with one another, to move together, to support one another. Because when we do that, the church becomes alive like Christ. It becomes a little bit closer to what God originally had for his mission, for his movement, to unleash his people. But what we find in Scripture is that we do it together. That the world wants to isolate us. The world wants to tell you that you are alone. The world wants to say, you know what? Your sin, your brokenness, your challenges, they cut you off from community. And yet what we see in Scripture is a God who looked at a broken and messy people. Oh, that terrified me. Um, who breaks guitars. No. Uh, broken and messy people. And he says, I specialize in broken and messy people. And I'm going to create a community for broken and messy people who are going to be able to leave as change agents together, to work together, to leave my world a little bit closer to how he originally had it to be. So what's that first step? What's that look like for us? Well, I'm a guy who likes to do stuff. I'm a guy who likes to just get after it, right? Don't just sit there, do something. What we find in Scripture is actually just the opposite. Often God's saying, don't just do something, sit there. Ask me. Because what we find is that I'm not in charge of the body of Christ. The pastor is not in charge. Scripture says the head of the body of Christ is Christ. And so I want to end this service by asking you guys to stand with me, and we're going to pray to the head of the body. We're going to pray to Jesus, God, what do you want to have us do? So yes, stand up. And we're going to literally pray through those three aspects of the body of Christ. And so I'd ask with you guys to pray with me now. Lord, we come before you. First off, praying for every single person in this room, praying for every single person connected to this church. Lord, we pray for those members in our bodies who are struggling with illness, with depression, with financial challenges. Lord, we pray for them, but we also pray that you open our eyes to how we can love on them, how we can support them. Lord, we pray that this church can be a healthy, alive, vibrant community that supports one another, that's able to mourn with one another, and that's able to laugh with one another. Lord, we pray individually that you open our eyes to how we can help make that happen. But Father, Lord, we also don't just pray for those in this room. Lord, we pray how each of us can leave as change agents in a broken world. Lord, to our neighbors who are struggling with the same things that we're struggling with inside this building. Lord, to schools that need resources, to communities that need love. Lord, we pray that you give us courage as individuals to follow you. And Father, Lord, I pray, we pray, that as a church we're able to do it together. Lord, that the harmonies that you put in all of us are able to make something more beautiful than anything we ever could have imagined. Lord, we wrap this up in the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.